Good morning, I'm Louis Taylor. I'm the Chief Executive of the British Business Bank, which is the government's national economic development bank, helping small businesses to get the finance they need to start up, scale up and grow. Hello, how are we? Well, it's a pleasure to be here. It really is, Jack. Uh, looking forward to talking to your viewers, your listeners, as well as you. Well, thank you for giving your time, your energy today to come over and share all this wisdom we're hoping to get. <laughs> I want to start. We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> I want to start here because we always there'll be a number of young people listening in all different stages of life. Some will be looking for their first job, second job, mm. wondering what they what they do. Do they go and study at uni? What was your first job? What was that first job and what did it teach you that you'd like to pass on? So my very first job uh, was a newspaper round. So that dates me straight away. Not sure that newspapers get delivered now. Uh, it taught me, uh, it's quite tricky to get up really early in the morning before everybody else. Um, but actually it's a great time of day. That's what it taught me. Uh, and then it, um, it also taught me that just getting there on time regularly and doing what you say you do is kind of quite important in a job. Absolutely. And how can a young person build those habits to get into a job on time, turning up? I'm a big believer if you're not five minutes early, you're late to, to what you're doing. So how can someone build their, their power, their time powers to get up on time, to get into their place early? What's your kind of tips over your career to kind of get up and go? Well, look, I mean, I think there's the, the pure logistics of setting the alarm right and just uh, when the alarm goes, getting out of bed and, and, you know, and having a bit of a routine. But I think the other element to this is doing something that you're passionate about and actually what's going on in here and actually what makes you want to flip the duvet. Here we go. Didn't know want to jump to that too early. <laughs> but it, it is important uh, that you kind of feel engaged with what, what you're doing and that will make sure that you are there on time and you're ready to go. And how do you balance between doing a job that you're passionate about, because I totally agree, get up, do something you're passionate about, versus doing a job that will help you get to the job that you're passionate about? Well, it's uh, the means are justifying the ends, or are there, or the ends justifying the means, more to the point. Um, look, there are no, there's no job that is perfect every all the time and that delights you the whole time. But you've got to have a range of different perspectives on this sort of thing in terms of time horizon and some things you have to do in the short term that get you a position or get you a reputation or build your trust for a later stage for the thing you really do want to do. It's, that's like investment, right? Absolutely. And what was the last job you did that you didn't find passionate, but you stuck through with it? And what, and what are yeah. your tips for young people to stick through with something? Because a, a bad day doesn't mean a bad job. It might just be a bad moment yeah. in that job that you're doing. Well, there's a couple of things I'd say. I mean, the last job I had that I didn't particularly enjoy was the last one I had in um, in, in the private sector in Standard Chartered Bank. It became very technical. Uh, it, it didn't excite me. It was quite intellectually interesting, but it, it, it didn't really motivate me. But it was very good discipline for me, and it gave me a lot of technical knowledge that I think I do use a bit more than I thought. So... It's, um, it's a bit like my mum used to say, you never sit next to anybody who's really boring at dinner. you just got to find the thing they're interesting about. And so you've got to find the interesting things about whatever job you're in, I think. Um, but the second thing I'd say is that even if the job you're doing isn't particularly great, have some other things going on in your life that are really great, that you get passion from. So even whilst I was doing that job, 
which I didn't particularly enjoy professionally, I was working for a couple of charities at the same time. And that is kind of decent soul food and that gave had a bit more significance to it. And so if in your life you have a range of things going on, uh, you know, something will be firing positively all the time, hopefully. I like that bit of advice. If you're doing a job and you can't find the passion internally, but it's a job and it pays the bills, you may have to look external to do that charity work, that tough well, mother at the weekend. fulfilling yeah. or spending time with your family or, you know, with your friends or, you know, those sorts of things. Really important. Absolutely. So you did the paper round and what was your, what happened next? What was the... The first kind of move next after school? Well, I would say it wasn't necessarily a logical progression. I became a barman for a little while as well, <laughs> at the end of school as well. Uh, between school and university, did some bar work to, to get some money. Uh, and again, you know, uh, lots of mental arithmetic behind a bar in those days. Uh, you know, there wasn't, um, it's not like the screens that you have on tills now. So uh, that was pretty good on the, the mental arithmetic side and, you know, just the responsibility of clearing a bar and, uh, you know, knowing when to serve somebody and when they'd had enough, those sorts of things. You learn quite a lot about life. Um, I would say I probably learned a lot from a non-professional uh, activity I did at university, which was rowing in a crew. And, you know, the teamwork, uh, the camaraderie, the singularity of purpose, the focus, um, relying on others, knowing that they can rely on you, getting to them to trust you, you trusting them, hugely, hugely important experience. So it doesn't have to be a job that really teaches you a lot about life, I think. And if you have no experience going into your first job, you can use those personal experiences like rowing to show how you've been a team player? Well, you can. Uh, it's interesting because we talk a lot these days about diversity. And I happen to think diversity is not only about gender and ethnicity and orientation, but it's about life experience as well. And what you can bring to the issues that you're dealing with professionally from your professional life, but also your personal life. And I think it's that range of perspectives that is really, really important. And that, to me, is what true diversity is. So, yeah, bring your diversity into whatever job it is that you're, you're, what you're working you doing. In. So the bar work gave you the opportunity to understand people, build your emotional intelligence, see how people tick. And mental arithmetic. And doing your, doing your <laughs> maths. What, what did that experience lead on to from there? What did it give you the opportunity to do next? So look, uh, it wasn't the bar job that had got me to university. That was schoolwork and focusing on that. Um, but after university, uh, you know, your options are, are broad. Uh, my options, very luckily, were, were broadened out. In fact, I had a lot of choice. Uh, I chose to go into, into finance. It was, um, uh, and uh, you know, I'm going to show my age again, it was a time called Big Bang in the city where uh, there was a huge amount of change and it suddenly become really, became really quite exciting. Uh, and so I decided to, to pursue that. I'd studied law and I never, I didn't want to be a lawyer. Um, I was more interested in the business world, I think. And so investment banking at that time was, was really exciting and that's, that's where I went. So you, you studied law, but you didn't want to do law. And yeah. did, you, is, did you make that decision halfway through doing your degree? Yeah, I did really. Um, I mean, the, studying law has given me a fantastic framework. It's, it's like what I was saying earlier on about the things you can bring, even if you don't practice them. Understanding uh, about um, you know the the rights and responsibilities that we each have in our in la life is really really important in order to be able to help you to negotiate things or to understand why people are acting in the way they are. Um, 
And with every right, there is also a responsibility. So that law was very helpful to me, even though it wasn't a career that I pursued. And actually, you know, my career generally has been quite diverse. I've done, you know, finance. I then went into the corporate world, back into finance and government mm. as well. So it's, it's a little bit um, haphazard in a way. We maybe talk a bit about that later. Um, but uh, you shouldn't feel limited too much but you you know focus is not a bad thing either so you've got to find what's right for you I think so you shouldn't feel limited but being focused is really important what's your advice to young people who feel like they're they feel limited at the moment based on where they live in the country based on who they are or how much money they have what's your advice to those young people that feel boxed at the moment I think um it's very difficult for me to give that advice. I mean, I grew up in Newcastle in the 1970s and 80s, which was a pretty deprived area, but I, I was pretty lucky in the parents that I had and, uh, and the, the way that I was brought up and a way that a lot of others weren't. But I would say um, that uh, it's important, there's an attitude thing here. You've got to remain positive because the world's full of pessimists, but the optimists are usually right. So stay positive. Figure out what it is that are the opportunities or what could you create as an opportunity or who could you talk to uh, that might help you with, uh, you know, making real something that's just a seed in your mind. And you don't need to be a world beater at everything. You just need to be doing something that you're comfortable with, happy with, that you think you can be decent at. If you want to be really great at it, that's great, but not everybody will feel they really want to be great. Mm. Um, but, you know, find the level on, on all sorts of things, all sorts of those aspects for you, because what's right for you, you will know. And so I, I see there you're saying take a step back, put, your, put it out on the table on what yeah. might be right, and then seek out advice from those who might be doing it as well. And then go forward. And you don't have to... I think there's something really nice about that. You don't have to be the best at it. You, you can put too much pressure on yourself. And that's not necessarily a good thing. Figure out the sort of thing you want to do. And if you find you're really good at it and you really want to pursue it, well, go for it. It's like taking up a sport. You know, you might quite like to kick a football around, but actually you are the best thrower in the world and your javelin skills are unbelievable. And that's the thing... You, you hadn't come across, you, you knew you were sporty, but you really want to focus on and, you, you know. But not everybody has that and not everybody should put the pressure on themselves to do that. You know, take the pressure you want to take, meet your ambition you want to have. Um, but uh, putting too much pressure on yourself can be a negative thing as well as, you know, putting a sensible amount on being a spur. And when was the last time you put too much pressure on yourself? And what, when did you realise you was putting too much pressure on yourself and what, what yeah. did you... Do, what moment helped you reflect that? Because sometimes we can't see ourselves in the mirror. Yeah. Can't see our own reflection. Yeah, that's right. Look, there are, I would say there are quite regularly as a CEO, I find myself having initiated a lot of things and thinking, well, we've got quite a lot of balls in the air here. And finding the prioritization of those things and kind of downplaying some of the other things is the most important way to get that equilibrium back. That obviously involves managing other people, but I mean, you, you know, you, you can work with, with some stress, or I can work with some stress, but it can't be so great that it overwhelms you, I think, that's the thing. So, you know, in the end, it's about that perspective. If, if you're not, you know, happy in yourself and not well, 
you're not actually going to be able to perform. So there's no point in trying to strive harder and harder and harder all the time. Of course, have high standards, you know, or the standards that you want to be known by. Um, but don't beat yourself up the whole time. And how, how do you know whether it's stress or imposter syndrome? Well, I walked into work most days of my entire career thinking today's the day they rumble me and they never kind of do. So whether that's genuinely imposter syndrome or whether that's just, you know, hyping yourself up for that little bit of needle you get on the start line of a race or something, which you need in order to perform, I'm not quite sure. But, uh, you know, you can build up your belief. You don't have to just be born with self-belief right at the beginning. Uh, you can build up that belief and you can, you know, it's important every now and again to look back at what you have achieved. You know, occasionally, well, what might have been, what mistake did I make that I shouldn't make again? But not to dwell too much on that, but to just look back every now and again and think, yeah, I achieved all of that and that's good. You know, I'd be pretty happy with myself if I'd thought 10 years ago, this is where I'd be. And anyone who wants to get into finance or bank banking, what is your advice to them? Um, well, look, go for it. Is my advice? If you want to get into it, then then go for it. It's it's as broad as it is long. I mean, there's retail banking, there's huge international banking with international companies, uh, there's trading uh, financial instruments, or there's actually dealing with companies day to day. Uh, and depends what's right for you. If you're pretty mathematically oriented, it may be that trading those instruments is what you want to do. If you're pretty relational, you might want to be talking to the companies and understanding entrepreneurs and what it is that they need and how you can help them. Uh, so there's a, a spectrum, really, of talent that's needed across that very broad industry. And even now, when obviously we're hearing so much in the news about banks, what's going on with mm. certain banks, yeah. a lot of young people come to us and say, oh, maybe it's a rocky, rocky time to get into the industry. What is your, your take on that for young people? So look, I don't think it's a perfect time ever to get into any field. Um, but uh, I think that the important thing is that uh, you're open to change because change is constant. And even if something today is operating perfectly because the rest of the world is revolving around them and changing, tomorrow it won't be perfect. So the constant adaptation. So I think it's important just to, to get into the, into the flow and go with it and figure out, you know, just how much change you can take, really. Absolutely. And how does someone adapt to change? And how does someone live with change? Because change can be difficult, can't it? Well, change, when you're in your set yeah. ways, especially for young yeah. autistic individuals as well. We yeah. have a lot of uh, neurodiverse community and as soon as change happens, it throws them left, right and centre. So what mm. is your advice to dealing with change? So look, I think change, uh, as you said, is, is different for different people. It's always unsettling, no question about that. But uh, there are ways of dealing with it that I think are positive. You know, you think about the things that have stayed constant and what you're building on, what the change builds on. And so you're actually part of building something. Uh, if it's totally revolutionary change, that's a bit different. Um, but you then, it depends on your character. I think you can gauge whether you want a revolutionary change to change fields or to change jobs or countries or towns or whatever, or whether you don't. Um, so there's some element of this to which, which is in your own control. Um, but I think that um, overall, uh, embrace change because it is the future. It makes you a more interesting person. Uh, it makes you more current. Uh, it gives you more opportunity going forward. Um, 
to the extent you can embrace it, do, do that. I like that. Embrace change because it mm. creates so much opportunity. And it's going to happen anyway. And it's going to happen anyway. So we're going to take a break and we're going to be back in the next five minutes. We're going to top up our coffees and we're going to talk a little bit about British Business Bank and a little bit about more about banking and money powers in young people. Great. We'll see you in a minute.
So we're back for the second half. Got our teas and coffees and waters, waters. topped up. Great. I'm. I want to talk to you a little bit about setting up a business. I set up a business three so years did, ago, yeah. and it was scary. I didn't have any business degree. I didn't know what I was doing, and I would love to break it down on. Let if I was starting again, there'd be a lot of young people looking to start businesses or they mm. might have a small business. How can someone like your organisation, the British Business Bank, support? And what's your advice to young entrepreneurs? Great. Uh, so look, we have a scheme called the Startup Loan Scheme, which is there to help people uh, to start up businesses. And it provides loans of between £525,000 rather uh, to, to people to start businesses. And 10% of the loans we give out are to people aged between 18 and 24, as wow. uh, so young people. Um, my advice is, get an idea. Spend as much time as you can visualising yourself running the business that is your idea. You know, how, uh, how is this business going to run? Where am I going to do this? You know, how many people am I going to need? Uh, you know, is this a seasonal business? Are we making, if we're making Christmas tree ornaments, you're going to build up a lot of cost for a while and then suddenly you'll sell them all just before Christmas. So things like that, that you need to have in your mind. So to vision, just visualizing yourself running this business and figuring out if you can, how much money you're going to need to be able to get this business going uh, and uh, to keep it, keep it, keep it going. And then also figuring out whether you know, your customers are going to want what you've got to offer uh, at the price you're going to want to offer it at as well. So do a bit of market research, figure out whether anybody else is doing this and whether they're doing it well enough or whether you could do it better and at a lower price. Or a... So there's a range of ways into this, but conceptualize it first. But then do come to the business bank and um, see whether a startup loan is the right thing uh, for you. Uh, Google Startup Loans Company. And it's all there, very clear to be able to see. Cool. So I've got my idea. I've done a bit of market research. And I was like, you know what? I need some capital to start. Yeah. What What would the process be for, for me to... What Firstly, what is a loan? Mm-hmm. What is a loan? And what can the loan do to help me grow my business? Okay. So a loan is where uh, an organisation or an individual allows you to use an amount of money for a fixed amount of time for a fee, which is called interest. And then you've got to give them the money back at the end. Uh, but you can use that money for a period to get your business going. And in fact, it's possible that if your business keeps growing, you may end up repaying that loan by taking out other loans. So it starts to, to snowball uh, a little bit. And, you know, a little bit of debt is a good thing for a business. It helps to oil the wheels too much and it becomes the thing that is the only thing that is on your mind as an entrepreneur. How am I going to pay this debt back? And you don't want that. So the money has got to facilitate without dominating the way that you run your business, I think. And what what would what do some of these young people that take out loans come to you for loans for? What do they kind of use the money yeah. for in terms of... Yeah. To make sure that you're 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 also it's a it's not it doesn't become a cost but it comes an investment into yeah. what you're investing yeah. in. So Jack, uh, when uh, people go to the website, they'll see examples of some of the people who set up businesses, and they are, you know, great people who've just had an idea. There, so we've uh, had some people who 
On holiday once in Portugal, tasted these little Portuguese custard tarts, pastel de nata, and they got the recipe of the best one they had out in Portugal, and they wanted to set up a bakery in Glasgow to make these things. And so they took out a startup loan. They got the premises, and they started to bake these things. Now, selling baked goods in the middle of, of Glasgow, that's a, that's a good prospect. Uh, and they've just gone like, it's gone like a train. They're opening a branch now in Edinburgh. This is a year later. They're employing 11 people already. But they also adapted their model a little bit as well. Of course, they sell this one product, which is fantastic. But they decided they would also be a little bit of a grocery store for other Portuguese kind of foodstuffs and things. So they built a sort of sub-business on top. And so it's that adaptability as well that is really quite important. Absolutely. And right now it's a tough time for a lot of people, but also entrepreneurs. It'll mm. be a tough time, especially if they run a small business. What is your advice to small business owners right now in terms of when it comes to cash flow when it comes to uh, run rates burn rates trying to keep going and being yeah being focused well look i think being focused is the important thing what you do well just keep doing that if you think there's something else that you can do really well well give it a go but uh, i think it's also fair to say right now you know don't take too much financial risk on at a difficult time uh, you need some uh, and, t- and running a business is a, has risk attached to it. Uh, and I think the other element is, have, you know, you've got confidence in your business model uh, because you're going to need some resilience through a difficult time as well. And actually, you know, the thing that I enjoy most about my job is when I meet entrepreneurs and you see the creativity and the courage and the resilience and the adaptability and all of that in these people who are running businesses that are their livelihoods and frankly are the livelihoods of people they employ as well. Absolutely. And what are some of the things that you wanna you could share that's gone wrong with without naming these young these entrepreneurs, but you've seen them make mistakes which is which other entrepreneurs can learn from so they don't make the same mistakes. What do you see a pattern, similar patterns why businesses don't work out? Well I think that um, if businesses don't work out, it's very often that there isn't really a market for what, what it is they're offering. So what I talked about, about doing a bit of market research and knowing whether you've really got a market out there is really quite important. Or if there isn't a local market, whether there's a way of getting to a bigger market. Maybe it's a website that is your, your primary distribution uh, tool. Um, so it's understanding whether there's a realistic prospect of this business being of a skip the scale you wanted to be at. That's the most important thing. So being realistic and being honest with yourself. I mean, it's a, it sounds like a great idea that you want to, um, you know, make rainbow guitar strings. Okay, but uh, are they really better than other guitar strings and the cost? Is people going to pay that? So you've got to, got to have a real confidence in your, in your business idea, I think. So ask tough questions. Of yourself. Of yourself and then look at, to see if there's a market need. Yeah, I which think is so. really sensible and good advice. What What do you think has made your career so successful? What's your invisible success? Um, well, look, uh, coming back to the imposter syndrome question, I never kind of feel that I'm massively successful, but I guess on an objective basis, it's not been so bad. I look at my career, and actually, I've had a range of different areas that I've I've been involved in. Uh, I mean, there's a bit of a thread of finance through it all. But nevertheless, in private industry, in 
finance and then in government as well. That's quite an unusual combination. Um, I think um, your value set is the thing that really is uh, a big determinant of whether you're going to be a success or not. And uh, I certainly believe that um, you know a strong value set, being open, honest, truthful, having high integrity, uh, doing what you say you do, that say-do ratio, the ratio of what you say you'll do versus what you actually do, being pretty close. That's a really, really important thing for anybody to build. And how long did it took you to build your values? And did you did they kind of come as you kind of experienced the world of work and life? Because some, some young people come to us and say, well, I don't know what my values are. I yeah. don't know what my interests are. I think that um, it'll be different for different people. But um, my value set has become clearer to me as life has gone on. But actually, it's probably through seeing the things that really offended me more than the things that particularly delighted me. So where you see some wrongdoing and you think that is just plain unacceptable, that tells you a lot about what your value set really is. Or I really didn't enjoy that experience and the way that I was dealt with in that situation. That tells you quite a lot about your value set. But actually, increasingly through my career, what has driven me more uh, and more is the underlying purpose, the, the real purpose of why it is and I'm doing the job I'm doing and why I want to, here we go, flip, my, flip the duvet. And, you know, the jobs I've been doing increasingly, I sort of rationalise to myself, not in terms of the, um, you know, the, the, the profit we're making, uh, although making profit is important, but it's in terms of the impact that we're having on communities, on entrepreneurs, uh, on, you know, families. So uh, what gets me to flip my duvet in the morning at the moment is the prospect of going out and helping people to start and scale small businesses, all the families and communities that rely on the jobs in those businesses, and the impact that that has on communities overall and help people realise potential. That feels like a strong underlying purpose that is values-driven. And entrepreneurship's not for everyone. What is your advice to those who it's not for? But they are, they've got ideas. Because there's a balance in terms yep. of... I, I, I'm an entrepreneur myself and I love entrepreneurship. Yep. Yep. But it's, I, we, I also employ people that they would never want to do it. So how do you... How, what, is, what is your advice to those who have got ideas, they're creative, they've got creative mindsets, but they don't want to be an entrepreneur or they don't know how to be? Well, my advice firstly is that's absolutely fine. Uh, risk appetite is a, is a thing, again, which is quite personal. Uh, and you may not want to take on the risk of having the ownership of a company and the responsibility of keeping it going and all those employees. But that doesn't mean you're devoid of ideas or you're not creative and that you can't help a business to really grow and to, to take off. And so, you know, you have huge amounts to give. And that is, it actually probably represents the vast majority of us that we've got great ideas. We don't necessarily want to be an entrepreneur ourselves. We'd love us to have more entrepreneurs, um, but it doesn't mean that you're a bad person if you don't going to be an entrepreneur. And actually, I've spent all my working life as a salaried employee. I have not set up a business. I really helped set up a charity, which I think is equally entrepreneurial, yeah. selling a social service, no question about it. Um, but I, I've never set up a, a profit-making business myself. And, and why have you not done that? Have you ever had the urge to do that? Or do you believe that you can make more impact working for a business that's established. Yeah, I think, I think maybe understand. it comes back to that um, 
rowing because mm. I realize I work a lot better in teams. I love working in a team. I genuinely think the collective delivers more than the sum of its parts. And so I never kind of had the sort of same desire to start off on my own or whatever. And uh, of course, teams of entrepreneurs come together, but I've always enjoyed the teamwork that uh, I've had. And also, um, I yeah, being able to have quite a big impact quite quickly was quite important to me as well, because whether an imposter syndrome or not, I'm a bit of a narcissist, really. <laughs> <laughs> and what, what's worrying you right right this moment in young people and young entrepreneurs that you're seeing from the climate out there that you believe is really concerning? So look, I think the world is a lot more positive than is portrayed to our younger generation and even even to my generation as well. Um, There is a huge amount of change, whether it's climate change or whether it's AI or whether it's, uh, you know, in life sciences and genomics and there's a huge amount of change. Um, but at the same time, there's opportunity in all of that. And mankind's history is of solving problems of his own making, mostly. Uh, and evolution is not just a, a biological thing. Uh, it's a evolution of thought as well. And so I think that um, we need to be more positive uh, with our younger generation about the prospects that they have. I mean, you have a prospect of a world which has uh, cleaner energy than it's ever had, uh, of you know lower levels of of, of disease um, because medical science can can manage that uh, and uh, and better food because we we can figure out how to how to do that as well so there's a lot to be positive about I think but it's Absolutely. not without its challenges and to the point earlier on about not beating ourselves up we can put a lot of pressure on ourselves whether it's about the outside world or whether it's just about our own place in it but have confidence so. In a world where there can be negativity, Mm. find the opportunity and the positivity. Yeah, I mean, you know, the world has negativity in it and there are difficult things, don't get me wrong. But the way through a lot of that is to figure out what's positive and to major on that. I mean, most real success stories are about people who focused on the thing that they outperform at, okay? Uh, and, and, and just, you know, uniquely focus on that. Now, we're not all sort of, you know, one-trick ponies, um, but focusing on the positive is quite important uh, in order to keep moving on and not to dwell uh, on, uh, on a negative situation. And my final question is, what, what message have you got for young people out there right now when they're sitting in their bedrooms, they're unemployed, they might have this entrepreneurial spark, they may not, they're seeing everything around them. What is, what is your advice of action for them? So my advice is take a risk. Get out there and just keep taking a risk. You know, you might ask somebody for something, they'll say no and you'll never see them again in your life and what have you lost? Uh, but you might gain. So take that risk. I uh, recently, uh, well, a little while ago, I was skiing. Sorry, it's not a terribly um, uh, universal analogy. Skiing with a family. My 15-year-old daughter You didn't go into some celebrity, did you? I did not. (laughs) Or as my daughter said, Gwynnison until I've proven guilty. There we go. (laughs) But but my daughter said, let's do this really difficult run, Daddy. And I realised that her 15 years of inexperience, with her her risk appetite was huge, was a real asset. And my 40-something years of experience with uh, risk mitigation all over it was a real hindrance. So as you're young and you've got a risk appetite, use it. Have the confidence just to go and make the ask of people. Not everyone's going to say yes, 
but you won't lose anything out, really. I love that. And we heard your duvet flip earlier, but what's your duvet flip to th- this week? So this week, uh, my duvet flip, uh, well, coming here was a pretty big duvet flip, actually, Jack. <laughs> um, but look, uh, we're driving our new strategy and we're trying to uh, help more businesses. And that is a pretty motivational thing to get me out of bed in the morning, I have to say. Plus, it's a short week. So, um, you know, Good Friday coming up. Absolutely. Looking forward to that too. And on that note, I just want to say thank you for your realness, your kindness, and giving your advice both to young people who want to get into employment, but also young people that want to start businesses. So thank you. Thank you very much, Jack. It's been a real pleasure talking to you, and I hope it's been of some use to people. Absolutely. Great. How cool was that? That was really cool. Really 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 cool. cool. Yeah. It's all right? Yeah, really good. Really good. 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 It goes quick, doesn't it? It does go quick.